Section 41 of The Queen of Hearts. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Susan Smith Nash, Tulsa, Oklahoma. The Queen of Hearts by Wilkie Collins. Section 41 brother owen's story of anne rodway part three june eighteenth to-morrow is the day appointed for the trial at the old bailey before sunset this evening i went to look at mary's grave the turf has grown so green since i saw it last and the flowers are springing up so prettily a bird was perched dressing his feathers on the low white headstone that bears the inscription of her name and age i did not go near enough to disturb the little creature he looked innocent and pretty on the grave as mary herself was in her lifetime when he flew away i went and sat for a little by the headstone and read the mournful lines on it oh my love my love what harm or wrong had you ever done in this world that you should die at eighteen by a blow from a drunkard's hand june nineteenth the trial my experience of what happened at it is limited like my experience of the examination at the police office to the time occupied in giving my own evidence they made me say much more than i said before the magistrate between examination and cross-examination i had to go into almost all the particulars about poor mary and her funeral that i have written in this journal the jury listening to every word i spoke with the most anxious attention at the end the judge said a few words to me approving of my conduct and then there was a clapping of hands among the people in court i was so agitated and excited that i trembled all over when they let me go out into the air again i looked at the prisoner both when i entered the witness-box and when i left it the lowering brutality of his face was unchanged but his faculties seemed to be more alive and observant than they were at the police office a frightful blue change passed over his face and he drew his breath so heavily that the gasps were distinctly audible while i mentioned mary by name and described the mark or the blow on her temple when they asked me if i knew anything of the prisoner i answered that i only knew what mary herself had told me about his having been her father's ruin he gave a kind of groan and struck both his hands heavily on the dock and when i passed beneath him on my way out of court he leaned over suddenly whether to speak to me or to strike me i can't say for he was immediately made to stand upright by the turnkeys on either side of him while the evidence proceeded as robert described it to me 
the signs that he was suffering under superstitious terror became more and more apparent until at last just as the lawyer appointed to defend him was rising to speak he suddenly cried out in a voice that startled every one up to the very judge on the bench stop there was a pause and all eyes looked at him the perspiration was pouring over his face like water and he made strange uncouth signs with his hands to the judge opposite stop all this he cried again i've been the ruin of the father and the death of the child hang me before i do more harm hang me for god's sake out of the way as soon as the shock produced by this extraordinary interruption had subsided he was removed and there followed a long discussion about whether he was of sound mind or not the matter was left to the jury to decide by their verdict they found him guilty of the charge of manslaughter without the excuse of insanity he was brought up again and condemned to transportation for life all he did on hearing the dreadful sentence was to reiterate his desperate words hang me before i do more harm hang me for god's sake out of the way june twentieth i made yesterday's entry in sadness of heart and i have not been better in my spirits to-day it is something to have brought the murderer to the punishment that he deserves but the knowledge that this most righteous act of retribution is accomplished brings no consolation with it the law does indeed punish noah truscott for his crime but can it raise up mary mallinson from her last resting-place in the churchyard while writing of the law i ought to record that the heartless wretch who allowed mary to be struck down in his presence without making an attempt to defend her is not likely to escape with perfect impunity the policeman who looked after him to ensure his attendance at the trial discovered that he had committed past offences for which the law can make him answer a summons was executed upon him and he was taken before the magistrate the moment he left the court after giving his evidence i had just written these few lines and was closing my journal when there came a knock at the door i answered it thinking that robert had called on his way home to say good-night and found myself face to face with a strange gentleman who immediately asked for anne rodway on hearing that i was the person inquired for he requested five minutes conversation with me i showed him into the little empty room at the back of the house and waited rather surprised and fluttered to hear what he had to say he was a dark man with a serious manner and a short stern way of speaking i was certain that he was a stranger and yet 
there seemed something in his face not unfamiliar to me he began by taking a newspaper from his pocket and asking me if i was the person who had given evidence at the trial of noah truscott on the charge of manslaughter i answered immediately that i was i have been for nearly two years in london seeking mary mallinson and always seeking her in vain he said the first and only news i have had of her i found in the newspaper report of the trial yesterday he spoke calmly but there was something in the look of his eyes which showed me that he was suffering in spirit a certain nervousness overcame me and i was obliged to sit down you knew mary mallinson sir i asked as quietly as i could i am her brother i clasped my hands and hid my face in despair oh the bitterness of heart with which i heard him say those simple words you were very kind to her said the calm tearless man in her name and for her sake i thank you oh sir i said why did you never write to her when you were in foreign parts i wrote often he answered but each of my letters contained a remittance of money did mary tell you that she had a stepmother if she did you may guess why none of my letters were allowed to reach her i now know that this woman robbed my sister has she lied in telling me that she was never informed of mary's place of abode i remember that mary had never communicated with her stepmother after the separation and could therefore assure him that the woman had spoken the truth he paused for a moment after that and sighed then he took out a pocket-book and said i have already arranged for the payment of any legal expenses that may have been incurred by the trial but i have still to reimburse you for the funeral charges which you so generously defrayed excuse my speaking bluntly on this subject i am accustomed to look on all matters where money is concerned purely as matters of business i saw that he was taking several bank notes out of the pocket-book and stopped him i will gratefully receive back the little money i actually paid sir because i am not well off and it would be an ungracious act of pride in me to refuse it from you i said but i see you handling bank-notes any one of which is far beyond the amount you have to repay me pray put them back sir what i did for your poor lost sister i did from my love and fondness for her you have thanked me for that and your thanks are all i can receive 
he had hitherto concealed his feelings but i saw them now begin to get the better of him his eye softened and he took my hand and squeezed it hard i beg your pardon with all my heart there was silence between us for i was crying and i believe at heart he was crying too at last he dropped my hand and seemed to change back by an effort to his former calmness is there no one belonging to you to whom i can be of service he asked i see among the witnesses on the trial the name of a young man who appears to have assisted you in the inquiries which led to the prisoner's conviction is he a relation no sir at least not now but i hope what i hope that he may one day be the nearest and dearest relation to me that a woman can have i said those words boldly because i was afraid of his otherwise taking some wrong view of the connection between robert and me one day he repeated one day may be a long time hence we are neither of us well off sir i said one day means the day when we are a little richer than we are now is the young man educated can he produce testimonials to his character oblige me by writing his name and address down on the back of that card when i had obeyed in a handwriting which i am afraid did me no credit he took out another card and gave it to me i shall leave england to-morrow he said there is nothing now to keep me in my own country if you are ever in any difficulty or distress which i pray god you may never be apply to my london agent whose address you have here he stopped and looked at me attentively then took my hand again where is she buried he said suddenly in a quick whisper turning his head away i told him and added that we had made the grave as beautiful as we could with grass and flowers i saw his lips whiten and tremble god bless and reward you he said and drew me toward him quickly and kissed my forehead i was quite overcome and sank down and hid my face on the table when i looked up again he was gone end of section 41 recording by susan smith nash tulsa oklahoma